Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's episode, the fun of dying and staying in touch with the dead. We are going to be talking with Roberta Grimes. She's a business attorney and has uh, had two experiences of light in childhood and spent a decade studying nearly 200 years of abundant and consistent communications from the dead, quantum mechanics, and the nature of consciousness to learn in detail what happens after death. She's written two books, The Fun of Dying, Finding Out What Really Happens Next, and her sequel, The Fun of Staying in Touch. It details the many ways in which the dead gave us signs from their survival and exciting new ways that we can contact them. It's going to be a fun interview today on Real Ghost Stories Online, getting some perspectives, some thoughts, and some scientific information on some research that's going on right now with the living and the dead, putting us a few steps closer. And as our guest will say later on in the show, very close to open communication, if you will, by choice, without using Ouija boards, without using our current set of technology. There's a whole new set, she believes, that's uh, just around the corner. So very interesting interview today as on Real Ghost Stories Online We are joined by Roberta Grimes. Roberta, thank you for joining us on Real Ghost Stories Online today. Roberta, to get us started, why don't you give us a little bit of background on uh, yourself and uh, your experience uh, with the undead, if you will. Well, when I was eight years old, I woke up in the middle of the night and knew there was no God. I was terrified. And in the midst of my terror, there was a brilliant white light in the room, like in the room. I mean, it's shown on the awful wallpaper in the dolls in a row on the bookcase. And a young male voice said, you wouldn't know what it is to have me unless you knew what it is to be without me. I will never leave you again. Now, when you're eight, everything is normal, right? Sure. Therefore, if it happened to me, it must always happen. It's handy because I thought at the time, oh, if you forget there's a God, they remind you. Isn't that great? I went back to sleep. But when you have one of these experiences, they always remain as an immediate memory and I I never, of course, forgot it at all, and I kept waiting for to be told what that was, but I never asked a question, never got an answer, and eventually I came to understand that I probably was the only one stupid enough in the universe ever to have had this happen to me and had to be reminded like that, so I decided I had to figure out where that had come from. And so I've spent my whole life researching what I thought was the only way to get at that question, which was you know, figure out death in the afterlife. 
And that's why I'm here today. And that's one of those questions that that comes up so frequently on our show. Obviously, we talk about ghost stories. So it's pretty much the ongoing theme of the show is is people from the afterlife coming back and interacting uh, with the living. And it's not always people, it seems, that are coming back uh, as well. And we can talk about that, too, in in just a little bit. But uh, you're you're well, you've uh, two books out right now, The Fun of Dying and uh, The Fun of Staying in Touch. Let's start out by talking. Talking about the uh, the fun of dying, the first one that you had that uh, that came out. Um, in it, you write and you make quite a statement here that uh, the, the death can be the best time of your life. Let's start with that. What what do you mean by that? Well, um, I, I just what I say. Okay, that's what, the de- that's what the dead tell us. Sure, it's the it's the. There are so many reasons why it's terrific. Um, One of them is just simply the fact that you have been prepared by your religion and by science and by everything you've ever believed to believe that your life is going to stop. And it doesn't stop. People you love appear. Um, They're young, happy, and healthy. You thought they were dead. They're not dead. You realize you're not going to die either. So it lifts your mood really substantially. And then comes the moment when you, uh, the, the, the extraordinary eternal being that you are, leave what amounts to a boat anchor, this totally dying body which is which is heavy which is is awful and you leave it and you are you feel fantastic you feel young healthy happy very much more powerful you can float on the air that moment people tell us that that is an extra if you're awake when it happens some people just go to sleep here and wake up there but that's an extraordinary moment it feels good people say it's almost an orgasmic feeling to be out of that body in the room infinitely powerful because our our minds our our minds never began and never will end and are part of the same eternal mind that continuously brings forth the universe our minds are so powerful and when we are in bodies the the very fact that we're attached to the body limits what our minds can do so to be free of that is a wonderful feeling so just the moment of death is wonderful. When we pass, when we leave the boat anchor, as you called it, yes. um, and, and we pass on, are we then still in that exact same oh, room? Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Okay. Um, we are, with, what happens is we, we, we leave our, all the energy that is going to leave, uh, the, the inner layers of what amounts to one of those Russian nested dolls, those inner layers gather into our torso area and then leave, either through the top of the head or through the chest. I've seen it described both ways. Many people who are at a deathbed can see a mist rise when the person dies. And that that is literally the, the, the spirit of the person leaving. And then it seems to disappear. But what happens is it's vibrating at a higher rate. And, and so you can't see it anymore because you're at this lower rate. And so what it does is to reform into a body, but it's still attached by what the Bible calls a silver cord which you sometimes can see some people see it some people don't but it's like a glowing cord which is getting very frayed now and while you are still attached to the body you're in the room but then the cord frays and it breaks and that's when the body lying in the bed actually dies and that's a time of danger you talk about ghost stories well Mm -hmm. the easiest way to make a ghost out of yourself is to be distracted at the moment of your body's death 
by the fact that those around the bed are grieving because the fact that they're grieving makes you feel, oh my goodness, I feel wonderful. I don't want my mom, I don't want my children, whatever, to be upset. You try to comfort them. If you do that, you lower your personal vibratory rate and you can no longer see your deathbed visitors. And what happens then is you can become stuck outside of time and when, and just basically doing the same things over and over again. In a lot of ghost stories, we'll hear things like, uh, I bought this house that was built in 1680, and we, we keep seeing this woman walk through a wall. Mm-hmm. Well, she, it turns out that there was a door there, you know, when 1722, when she died, and she is living that same day over and over and over again. And it's tragic, but that's very often what well, that's one kind of ghost there are sure. of course as you know a number of kinds but but it's easy to screw up like that and the only way for you then to complete your transition to the afterlife which is the wonderful part is if you are rescued and you don't want to have to be rescued so simple tip when you when you are out of your body go with your the rescuers because once you have gone to it who are usually your mom your cat from childhood anyone you are going to trust they they will be there to take you to the next level and once you get to the next level you can communicate easily with the people here and that's what i talk about in the fun of staying in touch Mm -hmm. but but until you get there you can't communicate with them no matter what you do you can't make the people around your deathbed realize that you're right there and you're happy you're perfectly fine so the the key to not being a ghost and, and getting stuck yes. in that residual thing is to not get pre too preoccupied with the fact that you're dying at that moment in time but yeah, to to, and, and, to go through the process get to the other side and then you can make that call to to your absolutely. loved ones absolutely absolutely right um don't don't be distracted by their grief because you you can't fix it anyway Mm -hmm. i mean the only way you can help them is once you get there there's a lot you can do but um just a just a little tip from people who have been there this is a time of danger but let's assume that you've not uh, been distracted let's assume you're going with those you love you don't go through a tunnel and see a light. That whole near-death experience thing is different from death. By definition, those people don't go to the same place where the dead go. And in reading, most of the, almost everything I've read was received before 1950. I never saw a tunnel or a light in those descriptions. What, they, what most of them talk about is just a period of grayness. Because all the levels of the afterlife are exactly where we are. They're exactly in the same place. So all you're doing, it's as if this is a tele, this is a channel, a TV channel. Mm-hmm. And all you're doing is going from channel two to channel five. You're just switching, your, your, your mind is switching channels. And so it's all in the same place. And if you look back as, as, as this is happening, you're sort of in a little bit of grayness between channels. But if you look back at the room, it's starting to get wavery and disappear. And just as you would think the afterlife would be kind of wavery and vague, it, it, this light level turns wavery and vague. And in front of you is this extraordinary new reality, as real, as vivid, much more beautiful, but very earth-like. And that's where, that's where you're going. Isn't that wonderful? So is that, would that be considered, I mean, the heaven that a lot of people are expecting to go to? Is that really what it is? Is, is another alternate plane, if you will, on, on our uh, yeah. world? 
Yes, but I don't use the term heaven because okay. it's a religious term. Sure. I, I use Summerland, and many others use it as well. This is a Viking term. The Vikings called the three, those, those three levels uh, that are really the sweet spot of the afterlife. There are at least seven levels, but the, the, the place where most go is levels three through five. And they're beautiful. They're earth solid. They're brilliantly colored they're they're everybody there is young and happy and it's nothing but playtime all the time i can't tell you it's a, if you could imagine the most perfect perfect place to be that's what it looks like and that's what it is so what does happen though with those folks who who is, got distracted during the the dying process and essentially go into what we would call a residual haunting, and they're going through that door that's not there anymore, and people are, are seeing them uh, on this side as, as a ghost. Yeah, um, yeah. Is, is that residual ghost conscious of the fact that they are replaying the same thing every day, like Groundhog's no. Day? Or no, no, no they, because there's no time in their minds. Okay. Time is an artifact of this material level of reality and and that's all it is so they they're still living that same day and they're not they have no sense of time passing um, one of the things that people can learn to do here who really care about these these people who are stuck is to learn to do rescue work um, and there are people who teach rescue work now i'm totally unpsychic but at the academy for spiritual and consciousness studies conference last um uh, July, I took a rescuing course from Bruce Moen, who is just a, a, a star in this field. He mm-hmm. teaches people to do rescue work. And I told him in the, in the, at the start of the one-day course, I said, Bruce, I'm not going to be able to do this, but I'm just sort of researching it, and I'm interested. He said, just watch. And by the end of the day, when he actually had us go through the exercise, oh, my Lord, I rescued a woman who died in 1780 in in. in the Cotswolds in England. I swear to you, it was unbelievable. The reason they need living people to do this is that the the more advanced beings who are trying to rescue them, these people can't perceive. So my whole job was to go with this being that I couldn't see. And it bothered me. I couldn't see the being. And he had said, if you can't see the being with you, make up an identity for the being. And so I made up this this little boy who was dressed like a little 1920s boy in in suspenders and, you know, knee pants and funny socks and stuff. And lo and behold, that little boy appeared there. And that was actually like a level six being who was trying to rescue this old woman. And she was sitting in a spinning wheel and in a, in a courtyard. Now, that spinning, that, I don't think they even used spinning wheels much at that period. So she had been a very old woman when she died in 1780. And... I just walked up to her and she looked at me. She was, it was sort of like, why are you bothering me? And, and I said, can you see me? Well, of course I can see you. Well, do you see this little boy? He's, he would like to help you. I talked to that woman, I, I swear to you, into standing up, taking his hand and going with him. And I was, had been told, because he prepped us all day for this, I had been told I could follow them and see what happened. He took her to a village square where all these beautifully dressed young people were waiting, and they were so thrilled to see this woman. And it was in my mind, it was put into my mind, those are her children. They've been waiting for her for a very long time. They were all dressed like the early 1800s. So I, want, I had this experience. I, If I could do yeah. this, every, every listener can do this work. And I said to Bruce afterwards, wow, that was extraordinary. I helped a woman who had been de- you know, dead for 
more than 200, almost 250 years and sitting at that spinning wheel all that time, how often should we do this? He said, if it were up to me, you would do it every day, twice a day. Now, how do you go about, how do you go about doing this for someone who is not empathic or psychic or, or, or any of the other you know, words you want to throw in there for, for folks who can readily seemingly communicate with the other side, folks like us who, who, who don't have that ability. What did you do to essentially obtain some, some form of that ability to, to communicate here? What, what was that process? of exercises and I would recommend um, just Google Bruce Mullen and go sure. to his website and he can do much more in teaching people than I can but he took us through a series of exercises the first thing he said was because I thought we had to go out of body to rescue these people mm-hmm. he had been doing this work at the Monroe Institute for quite some time and, and he said I never was comfortable out of body but I discovered you don't need to go out of body because Nothing exists except mind, and our minds are part of mind. You can stay in mind and do it, and you don't have to leave your body at all. Well, I didn't believe in that for a minute. But he took us through deeper and deeper exercises. I don't meditate either, but they were meditation-like exercises. And then he had us start to envision things so that I already had had um, a couple of encounters with dead people quite unexpectedly. Um, he, he was, maybe he facilitates it. I have no idea how, you, how they do it. I just know it happened and I can testify that it happened and I can testify I am, I have as much psychic ability as a doorstop. So <laughs> if I could do it, oh Lord, anyone can do it. Is this, the need is terrible. There are many people who have this kind of problem and need to be rescued. Is this something that you still try and practice today? Nope. <laughs> I've never done it since. Why, why, why I'm not? I'm sorry, Bruce. Do, do you need because, to, to... Because I have a, you know, I have my own life and my own voyage. We all have different things. Um, and I just, I, by the time I was sort of back at my desk and thinking I could practice that again, I didn't, I just didn't even have the courage to try. Okay. I mean, it's a whole new, a whole new area for all of us. Mm-hmm. People who are comfortable dealing with people with, with, with disembodied spirits, with, with ghosts, mm-hmm. this is a wonderful charity to learn to perform. And um, he tells me there are some people that this is basically what they do to help the world. They, they're helping others who, who are before stuck. It just wasn't my voyage, but I have to tell you, it works. Do, it they works ever, really well. do they ever run the risk when they are trying to communicate with someone on the other side and, and try and help them cross over that they are, and we've, we've heard these stories before where someone thinks they're talking with grandma uh, or you know, a, a loved one of some sort, and then suddenly that person's personality dramatically changes, and it turns out it was never that person to begin with, and it turns out to be something much darker. Is that something that they ever run across or run into when they're working in this area? No, um, and I think there are a few reasons why. Uh, number one, we the, before we ever start this process, we get our our upper level being who's going to basically be the the person who is going to really do the work. So we're always protected by somebody very powerful and and very knowledgeable. Uh, I I wouldn't want to do it without that. but, and also, you know, we, we surrounded ourselves with white light. You, you can, anybody can do this. Um, if you, right between and above your eye, and I didn't believe this either. There's so much stuff I didn't believe, which is true, and therefore I, you have to believe it if it's true. You, you, can, you can produce spiritual light 
from just above and between your eyes just by willing yourself to do it. And if you surround yourself with that light, you, you get massive protection from negative entities. Um, we, we're all very well protected. We all have spirit guides who want to protect us. It's only if we think we can like do stuff on our own mm-hmm. that, that that we are likely to possibly run afoul of. That, that's what the problem is with things like Ouija boards, because basically we're on a lark and we're saying, what the heck, or automatic writing if we're not careful. Mm-hmm. Every good good medium will put tremendous effort into spiritual protection before they'll even begin to communicate with, with, uh, with dead people. Sure. For a good reason. So uh, let me ask you this. This is kind of transitioning a little bit more over to uh, the fun of staying in touch. Um, uh-huh. it, is it something where we can decide, hey, I want to go talk to Grandpa today? Is that something that can be done from this side? That's really not how it works. Okay. Um, for for a few reasons. Yeah. So the the short answer is that's not how it works. The longer answer is yes. You can learn to do that. Okay. Um, and I talk about that in the book. We, we while you are uh, attached to a body, you can travel all over the universe out of body. We go out of body every night, and uh, we know without problems and meet with our guides. Meet with our you know we we've been meeting with Grandpa routinely since he died, but. Um, but not in the place where the dead are, in a sort of halfway place. People who have have uh, communication dreams, those even though it seems that maybe you're in the afterlife, you're really not. You're in a halfway place at this maybe the same vibratory rate or near it, but it's just a different place. And it is possible to to have uh, an induced afterlife communication. We can learn to do that. In fact, you can learn to do it. You can either do it with a therapist. And there are some. There are really excellent therapists who can do this. Uh, Rochelle Wright in um, Washington State uh, is one of them. Dr. Alan Botkin, he's in the Chicago area, is another, who have trained therapists how to do this and and help people to have communication directly in one of these uh, interim places with loved ones. And they can induce on a weekend. You, they can, you can come to them, and at the start of the weekend, by the end of the weekend, you have had wonderful experiences in real life with a solid loved one in, in, in this kind of alternate reality. I don't understand it, but it works like a charm. If, you, if you're a, a do-it-yourselfer, go to R. Craig Hogan's site, which is, I think, spiritualunderstanding.org. I'm not sure. He has a, uh, an eight-step process by which you can teach yourself to induce these communications. And again, they don't happen in a vague and vapory way. They happen in a solid place. You're walking on the beach with your loved one. You're hugging in real time. Mm-hmm. It's just beyond extraordinary. How often do you, do you think that we have dead loved ones that are trying to communicate with us and we're missing some of those signs of communication? It seems to be an almost, uh, almost always. Okay. People who have died, it's like a process. They, they, they die and then they send postcards home and they hope you, you know, they, they try to make sure you receive them. As soon as you know that, that your loved one is 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 fine what they tend to do is then go on with their lives because time doesn't really exist there so it's going to seem like a minute before you follow them 50 years later but um not the, the things they do are very predictable and and you know what a lot of them are pennies sometimes sometimes larger coins we hope they'll give more larger coins usually only pennies feathers 
a song on the radio, a familiar scent, messing with the electricity. There are very predictable things which more experienced dead people teach the newly dead to do so that they can let us know that they're okay. And we just need to know what those signs are. And every time something happens, it just might be a sign. We say, thank you, please do it again. And that, if you say it aloud, it helps to give them the energy to keep doing these things. Okay. What's your thoughts on on some of the newer technology that's out there that is designed for communicating with the dead? Everything from from the apps that are out there, uh, ghost radar and such, that's probably the most mainstream of them, um, to, uh, you know, there's various devices that use radio signals and and grab a little piece of audio that's being played over uh, an actual broadcast, but then, you know, changing uh, from station to station to station. Is that the spirit box? I always forget exactly what that one is called. Yeah. Um, but what, what do, what's your feelings on those as far as being accurate devices for communicating with, with the dead? Well, um, we, we've had electronic communication devices since the late 70s, really. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, the Wright, that's when the Wright brothers took off in, in terms of electronic communication with the dead. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, we, we've had proof of concept. The problem is that we've got to remember that those really doing the, the research in this field are dead. There are dead scientists, teams of dead scientists who are doing really Herculean work trying to clear away the mess between us and their levels. What's, what seemed, and, and I know some, um, some of the teams who are working as the lab assistants of these, I, if I told you the names of some of the scientists, they're very famous, and some of them are. Um, they're working right now, and they believe within two years we're going to have an easy, reliable way to communicate uh, between this level and that. Most of what is commercially available now, because it, it's, it's, it was engineered on this side, it might work or might not work, but you, it only works if you've got people on the other side working with you mm-hmm. because they're the ones who really make it work. And I'll tell you what seems to have been the problem um, is that there are very powerful negative entities that are trying to keep communication from happening. And we were not aware, we, the people really doing this work, I'm, a, I'm just an observer, but they, 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 they were just not aware of how serious um, the, this, these negative entities were. The little story, um, the, the people who are most successful right now uh, doing genuine communication using techniques facilitated by, pioneered by the dead, are in, uh, are in Brazil and they communicate in, in Portuguese. Very successful, um, the, but the problem is that it's only in Portuguese. And when they're trying to get English communications, they're told you've got to get an, a North American station set up, and that's what's what is now being worked on. As I say, I know of at least two teams that are working with very famous dead guys to to do this. Um, I I went to my favorite uh, medium because I thought I'd be talking to my mother, uh, Suzanne Wilson. She did a she's just extraordinary and. Uh, she ended up bringing my guides through, and my guides had to get a message to one of these fellows who's doing this work because apparently they had not been able to get through to him because they thought he was going to give up. And they said the message was that the team working with him has discovered 
who it is and which entities are the are their problem, and they're working to clear them away, that will be done within the year. Now, I don't know any of this stuff. I don't, I mean, who am I? But when I gave him the message, he then went to Suzanne, and he got, got very definitive information about what's going on and, and, and re- restored his enthusiasm. But that's been their game for, you know, the last 30, 40 years, that the, the, the negative entities don't want communication to happen because once it happens, everything changes. The, the, the day when you are able to leave the funeral and just, just then have a quick conversation with grandma and get the recipe or talk to your child and have the child say where he or she is now and what he or she is doing, I'll see you later, grandma, mm-hmm. mom, that day everything changes, and they don't want that to happen. So they're fighting. But according to the dead scientists, they're in the process of figuring it out and getting past and vanquishing. They say they're going to have to vanquish these negative energies and they're going to win. How do you go about getting a team of dead scientists together? <laughs> that's, that's my question. You know, I mean, I, I, it can't be that, I mean, do you, is it one of those things where you just, when you're, you're speaking out loud to, to the dead, are, are you, are you calling the up specific person. people? How, I mean, how do you go about getting that together? That's, that's what I'm wondering. The only people I know who do this work are what you literally would call the pure of spirit. Okay. They know, the dead know us, in, because the dead can read our minds. The dead know us to our deepest souls. And if, if you are someone who has given your life to the betterment of humankind through making this communication happen, and they know that nothing is going to discourage you, but you're going to do it, mm-hmm. you just might, you just, if they didn't, then start doing the work, you just might attract them. But they're but they're very choosy about who they'll work with because they're this is hard work for them. Sure. They, they're they're t- so they select people fairly carefully um, to work with. I, it just I, I, what I tell people all the time is uh, the easiest uh, way to be happy that I have ever seen is to give your life to God. And I can tell you from my own experience, because I did that in 2009, I figured I'd had a good life. Uh, the rest of my life is yours, God. And you'd be amazed what has happened in my life since then. God takes you seriously when you really mean it. Mm-hmm. And that would probably be the easiest way. Give your life to God and say, uh, okay, God, I especially like messing with electronics. Can you help me do it? Or, or can you send me people who want me to help them do it? Very, yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, can I ask you, have you ever been visited by, by a dead loved one in the sense of, of a, a, like a physical, uh, or not even the sense of a loved one, just a, a ghostly encounter, I should say, maybe a physically seeing someone, not in a dream, not uh, you know, in any sort of uh, non-conscious state, but literally in, in real life? No, because I'm so, I'm so science-based. Sure. I really am. Um, and I, I think that they know I would not like that. So okay. I haven't had it. But on the other hand, I, I've had two experiences of light, which I've come to understand um, are extremely rare. I, I only started talking about them in my 40s. I finally came out, basically. Mm-hmm. And I've discovered fewer than 1% seem to have had that kind of experience. But they're in the Bible. Yeah. Moses with his burning bush, that was an experience of light. Jesus had uh, uh, Jesus appeared to Saul uh, when he was on the road, uh, it, as a as a flash of light, and said, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" And that's how we got the Apostle Paul. I mean, 
it, it seems to be a, a very rare event when there's some spiritual crisis, mm-hmm. not not but a spiritual crisis. Everyone that I've ever met who has had one, and there are, are a few that I've met who had them, it was always the crisis of the spirit. When someone is is trying to communicate uh, with with the other side, and this is part of the fun of, of staying in touch, let let's walk through that that process a little bit. What would you say are some of the the safe ways uh, of of trying to communicate and? Uh, not necessarily be able to say, hey, I want to talk to grandma, but uh, just, hey, I want to talk to someone on the other side. Uh, What's the practice of doing that for for you? Well, understand that that the the connections we have are love-based. Okay. So if you just want to have any random person to talk to, that's going to be tough. Sure. There needs to be some... It doesn't even, you know, it doesn't have to be close. You know, you had an uncle who died a few years back. I'm going to see if I can contact Uncle Fred. If, if there's some kind of love connection, it makes it much easier. Now, the, the ways, the, the, the classical way, of course, is through a medium. Um, and w- w- So I think that the way that we are going to break the news to the world that, yeah, human minds are eternal and, of course, the dead are alive is through electronic communication. And I think that's going to happen within two years. Um, we, we're calling it the soul phone. But quite apart from the, the soul phone, there's a an, an, an rather ancient method of communication, which is materialization mediums. Um, there's going to be one at the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies um, uh, conference in September in Scottsdale, and it, it's going to be amazing. He's coming from Australia. David Thompson is able to go into a trance, produce ectoplasm, and have your dead loved ones walk around the room and talk to you with their voices. It's Boggling. Have you seen um, this yourself? No, but people I trust have. I mean, okay. I, they, the, the Zamets, Victor and Wendy Zamet, who are to me the leading experts in afterlife research in the world right now. They're they are in Australia. They've had over two hundred um, uh, seances with with David, and mm-hmm. they're very skeptical. Victor's another attorney, and he just he just wants the truth. The thing is, when you know that what you have discovered is true, you're, it makes you even more skeptical of everything you come across because you don't want to take the truth and muddy it up with with garbage sure. you know you want only the truth so uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't believe anything really uh, except that that um wendy and, and uh, wendy's now writing a book actually about her experiences with the materialization medium mm-hmm. it's a very it's a very old form of mediumship uh, but many many more of them and you're let's say 100 150 years ago than there are now now there are probably you could count them on the fingers of a hand or two in the world, mm-hmm. none of them in the United States. Well, we're talking about the soul phone for for a minute here. Um, <laughs> yes. that, I, I love that term. That's fun. We come up with bizarre things on our show too, as far as like little names for things. But um, uh-huh. that that's that's very cool. Um, <laughs> it, when this happens, I mean, th- this is such a, a topic that there's so much skepticism on. Uh, you know, ghosts in general and in the afterlife and paranormal and and either you believe you don't believe or you're going to be skeptic of everything. But you believe, you know, there, there's no uh, absolute. I mean, that's why on, on this show, when people call in their stories, when they write in their stories, we're not here to judge. We just kind of analyze the stories. If we think that there may be a carbon monoxide leak in a home based on what we're hearing, we're going to suggest uh-huh. that as a possibility. Uh, <laughs> right. But but we're also not going to say this is it for sure. I mean, this could very well be something else. Um, so what, I, what I'm getting at is 
if if in two years or whatever the timetable may be that that uh, they they come up with a device that because uh, are we talking like literally a device here where it's it's going to be clear cut no questions asked this this is just clear evidence i mean that's going to have to be pretty clear evidence to really be that type of a game changer don't you think and and, and what would that be what what does that look like in your mind it it's uh, done by computer Okay. And anybody can do it. The people that I know who are doing this work don't plan to sell it. They plan to give it away. Okay. And that, do you see what I'm saying? Sure. This is, this is an area where you've got to be pretty selfless for yeah. the dead to even care about working with you. But the, the, the plan would be that you would be able, using software on a, on a computer and the, just the, what, what the computer is, to uh, be in contact with your dead loved ones. You, yourself, yeah. you and them, and you can ask them questions and you can have a chat because when everybody can do this and the scientists still say it doesn't work and you just had a talk with Aunt Martha and she told you her super secret recipe, sure. you're going you're gonna to tell the scientists to go pound sand. Yeah, then it's pretty much, uh, pretty much a, a done deal and there's no question that this is actually working. I mean, because right now, I mean, you have you know, some of the, the apps and such and every once in a while you get a word that seems to make sense as to what's being asked or or what the, is going on around. It's like, oh, this this makes sense. This may be something actually communicating. And then it may some, say something completely bizarre that has nothing to do with anything. So right now, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of the things out there are, are fairly questionable as to their accuracy. But to have something like that, that, that certainly would be a game changer. Let me ask you this, though, because we you were talking earlier about some of the, the darker entities out there not wanting this to happen. Um, right. When this becomes uh, more of an open thing, something where it's more accepted and, and people are actually doing it, does that not put more people at risk, though, too, of thinking they're communicating with Aunt Martha? Uh, could could one of these dark entities then try to emulate Aunt Martha to, to get into someone's life? Is that risk still going to be there or is that, is that somehow changed? Well, there, there are two reasons why it probably won't be a problem. The first is that the dead scientists of whom I'm aware are working to vanquish these negative entities that, that have, because understand how it works. The, it, in order to, to really make sense of what's going on, you've got to understand this is not about belief. This is about fact. Yeah. And the fact is that there is a science here which is real. And the only reason you aren't more aware of it is that people who should be scientists have for the past hundred plus years been operating another religion, which is materialistic, spiritual, um, uh, atheistic materialism. That's what science is. That's their, quote, fundamental dogma. Mm -hmm. But when you have a dogma, you've got a religion. So we're dealing with a situation where the people we should be trusting to look at this stuff won't look at it. But when... So, so we're on our own. You know, basically, you're you're stuck with lawyers and other researchers <laughs> trying to play scientists. Sure. But, but what my understanding is is this. There are the first two levels of reality, and they're all, of course, right here, but the, the two that are between us and our loved ones are negative. Jesus called the lowest one the outer darkness, where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. The one above it is not a lot better. And then we get the Summerland, the beautiful three through five level levels. So in the lowest two levels, which all communication would have to go through um, uh, on a, where vibration is concerned, because mm-hmm. they're, between, they're, they're between us and them, 
on those levels, there are some nasties which apparently are not even of this of this planet. Mm-hmm. They're 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 lizard people. They're disgusting entities. And the only way to get rid of them and to get rid of their influence is to get rid of them, period. And that's what they're working on now. They're working on just plain vanquishing them, clearing them out. So when we're having good communication, they won't be there anymore. Now, there may be others that are crummy, but they're that uh, and that might want to get, you know, play with your play with your mind. But we this already happens with with um, other kinds of communication. Mm -hmm. I'm in the process of helping Mikey Morgan write his autobiography. He's a sixth level being who he'd be 28 now. He died at the age of 20 and he's been communicating by pendulum through his mother, which I didn't believe in. Pendulum. Are you kidding me? No, it works. It works beautifully. And. Um, he, she, she communicated, none of this, she says, would she have signed up for, even though he swears she did before they both were born. But, um, she has found that if she doesn't do a specific ritual, which basically gets rid of the negative entities before she starts doing the pendulum work, she'll get somebody come in and try to cause havoc. Sure. And so, so he has told her basically how to protect herself and she's never had a problem since then. And, and this is going to be true also of working with computers. There will be ways for you to be able to, A, protect yourself with spiritual light, and B, satisfy yourself that who you're talking to is the real person. Mm-hmm. And this will all be worked out. I mean, no, there's, there's no chance that, that anything will be given to the world that isn't going to benefit the world this way. Be very interesting when it actually does does come out. Would it, would it be exciting? Yes, it would be be amazing. Be. I mean, uh, what's what's your thoughts on um, uh, using a Ouija board to communicate? Even I mean, I, there's a lot of uh, we talk about this on 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 the show quite a bit, and and there's some folks who are uh, saying it's okay as long as you surround yourself in you know white light or the positive yeah. energy, things of that nature, and and. I, I, I understand that to a certain point, but we still have had folks who have had, they, they thought they were protected. They weren't, you know, 16-year-olds drinking at a party playing with the Ouija board. They were actually trying to, to do it on somewhat of an educated level uh, and an informed level uh, to protect themselves and still didn't work out all that well, uh, meaning not such great things ended up coming through it. Um, right. Is that one that is, is there ever a place for using that for communicating with the other side? Well, here's the problem. Because the connections are always love connections, if you're just trying to talk to anybody, which is what usually is happening, you basically, uh, you know, put your hands on the on the planchette with someone else, maybe, and then you're just trying to, who, you know, anybody come and talk to us. Sure. If you do that, the the dead tell us it's like a a beacon of light to all the dead disembodied folks flying around wanting to cause trouble. So basically, it's just like opening your house, turning off all the lights, and saying. Okay, robbers, come on in and holding a party for them. That's what the dead tell us. So the dead themselves, many of them will say, not a good idea um, to do it and uh, except to talk with only specific people. Call that person in. If the person wants to come and talk to you through the through the planchette, that's fine. But if don't don't say just anybody because just think about what's around you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have all around us a vast sea of negative energy that used to be people. I mean, I'm 
adamant against a few things that many people are in favor of. One of them is capital punishment, because what you do with capital punishment, what you do is you take someone who's not of a very high, usually spiritual level anyway, and you have him at the height of anger and fear and every possible negative emotion, and then you free him. It's, it's, It's crazy. Not just is it awful for him, but it's talk about pollution. That's the worst possible pollution I could imagine is to free these negative entities to do harm wherever they can. I mean, try to find someone with a Ouija board so they can come in and cause craziness to happen. When you mentioned that the the dead who've communicated what they, they see or what they feel when someone's trying to use a Ouija board, basically the, the door opening up, big bright light, hey, who's around? Let's go yes. you know, talk. Come on in. Is that the same thing that happens when other devices are used? Is it the same sort of thing? Is, is for example, the spirit boxes or the ghost radar apps, things of that nature, are they just modern versions of the Ouija board? I, I believe so, yes. Okay. They be, I mean, we, I haven't read communications from the dead in which they talked about those items in large part because in order to keep from reading fraudulent stuff, I, I don't read anything channeled after 1950. But in, in point of fact, anything, any attempt you make to communicate with someone who is not tied to you by love is risky. Um, however you do it, whatever the mechanism is, love is the connection. And mm-hmm. that's... That's why I, I guess I feel pretty strongly that that it's. I urge everybody who's interested interested in this area to really come to understand the science of it because there is a science to it, mm-hmm. and it's really quite marvelous. I mean, this is what reality actually is. I podcast every week on WebTalkRadio.net. I call my podcast "Seek Reality" because that's what we all should be doing. Mm-hmm. And and I interview the specialists in this field. It's a great big science which nobody is looking at. It's a it's a whole new world, a whole new field, extraordinary. It's it's very interesting. Uh, let me ask you this before we wrap up uh, with with the idea of being able to communicate and literally uh, someday use that soul phone and just to call out to our our, our deceased loved ones or friends or family, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. Are they there right now? Are they able to see us? Are they able to watch us? Um, are, oh, are, sure. are they just on call, also on that side, waiting and reading the technology ghost blogs going, hey, they're getting really close for them, for the, the ghost scientists to have the, the, the soul phone ready. Are they also getting excited about this being a possibility? Are they aware? You know, you'd be surprised. Their lives are so much busier than our lives here, and all only with stuff they want to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, as here, some of them are very interested. Maybe they were scientists. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe Steve Jobs is really interested in what's going on, and, and they're, <laughs> they're trying to follow it. But a lot of them are just plain loving life. That that's the, the period right after death, which could extend for a million years, but that that period, that Summerland period, is just a beautiful period of R&R and let down and relax and get to do all the things you never got to do, and you don't need money, and you don't, you're, you're young, you're beautiful. It's just an extraordinarily joyous time. So it's not at the top of their list, mm-hmm. but, but especially if they think that it will comfort us, they're, they'll be happy to communicate. And yes, they can see us. Remember, they're right exactly where we are, but at a higher vibratory rate. So in order to be very close to us and right in the room with us, all they have to do is lo- lo- lower their personal vibratory rate, and they can be right here. 
So, um, and they can, yes, they can read our minds to a considerable extent because our minds are all connected. And um, it's, I've had people say they don't like that idea. I don't want her to know what I'm up to now. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, that's, that's all just true. That's the way it is. Can they choose not to communicate with us if we were to be able to, to actually dial them and say, hey, I want to talk to uh, my uncle so-and-so? Uh, could Absolutely they, they can. They can oh, say, no, totally. I'm busy. <laughs> Can't do it right now. It, it's they they can they can be doing something else. Okay. Or usually, I had that experience with my father. He didn't communicate for twenty years. He had been an alcoholic. I had no idea he felt bad about it. Twenty years after his death, he finally communicated through my my daughter, who went to a medium, and he said, "Will you please ask your mother and her sister to forgive me that I messed up their childhood?" Wow. Isn't that awful? For twenty years, he grieved about that. Yeah. And he couldn't forgive himself for it. So. It's that's another point. I, I, knowing knowing how the reality actually works, it's important we forgive everybody, even if you know maybe you think what they did was unforgivable. But it's all over now. This is just a, a minute in reality, and it's basically a play. Mm-hmm. You know, they played a part, and now they're they're a gorgeous, glorious, eternal being, and and forgive them for anything that they did, and then free them basically, and then. Other people will free you in your turn. Roberta, it's been really fun talking with you today. Your two books, The Fun of Dying and The Fun of Staying in Touch. Uh, You can uh, check them out through uh, her website, robertagrimes.com. Thank you for that opportunity. Um, And thank you for, this has been a very, I love talking to people who know about this stuff because, uh, you know, you're you're asking very good questions. My, My biggest message is, please understand, we can prove that you're, life is eternal. You're not immortal. You're eternal. You never began. You never will end. And you're part of the mind of God. And when you know that, that really changes everything, I think, for the better. So um, please, everybody, beyond, beyond anything else I've said, know that you are part of the mind of God and you're infinitely loved, infinitely. Roberta, thank you again for joining us on the show today. RobertaGrimes.com is her website. You can uh, check out her books there, get links to uh, purchase them. The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Dying, of course, also available uh, through uh, Amazon uh, as well. Hey, if you like the show, please consider helping us keep it on the air, becoming an EPP that's an extra podcast person. Get the bonus episodes of the show every single week sent to you and access to our past archive of bonus episodes as well. That's what keeps this uh, the ship afloat. So check it out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.